So how many of you have this friend that like won't stop talking and talks super fast when they talk? Anybody? You got a friend like that? I guess some of them are here with you right now because I hear a lot of chatter. Like uh, that's you, like you talk all the time. And when you talk, like you don't stop talking. Like I can't get you to shut up. Okay. So my son, Coben, okay. When he wants to tell me something, he'll go, dad, 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 dad. You see, Girls, if you didn't know this, guys have this amazing ability to like tune everything else out except what they're focused on. And some of you are like, my boyfriend does that. Like, I don't understand. Like I have to get in front of his face and like wave at him and like flag him down to get him to listen to me or to under, like to, to pay attention. So it, guys, listen, this is a skill you have for later in life so that when your kids are going nuts, okay, you can totally tune it all out and like your wife gets to take care of it. It's awesome. Okay. So... Don't feel bad if, if you have a, a, a problem or you struggle with paying attention or with people getting your attention. Okay, so, so my son, I'm, I'm, clearly I'm focused on something else. He's wanting to tell me something. Dad, 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 dad. And probably about the 25th dad, like I'm like, huh, what? Okay, and so I'm, I'm paying attention. And then my son, Coben, okay, more than my other kids, he will start rattling off this story or he will start rattling off this dream that he had and he will go 90 miles an hour and I'm like trying to keep up. And then it's like he forgets where he's going and then he starts all the way back over again. Like he doesn't just keep going or he doesn't pick up with where he left. He just goes all the way back to the beginning. I'm like, oh no, like, no, no, no. Let's go back to where you let off. But he'll start all the way back over. He goes all the way back through it. And I mean, my son, Coben, he has the most vivid imagination. Okay, so the dreams he has are crazy. Like he told me a dream one time he had about how God had no teeth and was talking to him like this. And he's like, dad, I don't know what God was saying. I'm like, I don't know either, son. You're gonna have to have another dream or something. And so he'll tell me these dreams or like what happened at school and he's going 90 miles an hour and he's telling me all this stuff and he's got this wild look on his face and the whole reason he wants me to understand, he wants me to get it and I don't get it. I don't know what happened, but he wants me to know. He wants me to understand. And so he's talking super fast and he doesn't stop talking because he wants me to get it. Some of us have been going to church our whole lives. And a lot of times we don't get or understand or pay attention to what God wants to do or to say to us. And what's amazing is, is Paul does the same thing in Ephesians chapter one that your friend does when they won't stop talking. And when they go 90 miles an hour, like literally he does, I'm going to show you here in just a second. Like Paul does the exact same thing. Like he starts talking, writing like 90 miles an hour and he doesn't stop because he wants the church that he's writing to at Ephesus to understand. He wants them to get it right he wants them to understand like who God is and, and what he's done for them. He wants them to get it. And so Paul rattles off this long list of things that God has done for them and the ways that he has blessed them so that they will get it. So they'll understand. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Okay. You can turn there. We'll turn there here in a second. We're going to come back and break some of this down tonight and over this series that we're starting. But here's Ephesians chapter one, starting in verse Three, Paul starts it and he goes through verse 14. He says this, 
All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us in his own family by bringing himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us our sins. He has showered us his kindness on on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance for God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his good plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit who he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and the purchase to be his own people. He did this so we could bring praise and glory to him. Amen. So... Thank you. Yeah, that, that's, that's difficult. It takes, it takes, that takes a lot. Okay. So here's what happens in three through 14. And we're going to break this down over this series, but this is one long run on sentence. So if you're like a grammar Nazi, like in the room, like I, I hate to break it to you, but, but Paul in the Greek language, this is a run on sentence. It keeps going and going and going. It doesn't stop this passage here, three through 14 in Ephesians chapter one is known as the Swiss Alps or the Grand Canyon of scripture. That's what theologians refer to it as. It's the Swiss Alps. It's the Grand Canyon of scripture. And when you want to take a picture of the Swiss Alps or the Grand Canyon, do you use like the regular picture mode? No, you you can't do it, right? What mode do you have to choose if you're going, or my photographer up here, he, he, yeah, you know, right? He, he knows my photographer up here. He knows what mode you have to use if you're going to take a picture of the Grand Canyon or the Swiss Alps. You've got to use the panoramic mode, right? I mean, and, and, and so, so Paul's doing this, just picture. This is verse three through 14. And all of us, you know, you, you're trying to keep it, you know, without, without you're, you're trying to keep it on the, on the, on the path, right? Because you don't want to mess up the picture. Three through 14 is a panoramic picture of almost all that we believe about God. And so in this series, what we're going to be doing is looking at this panoramic view of God that Paul gives to the Ephesians. And his purpose here is so that you would get it, so that you would understand who God is, so that it would overwhelm you. Just like the Grand Canyon is so overwhelming, just like the Swift South or Mount Everest. If you've been to any of these things before, I got to see the Taj Mahal in India one time. You look at these things and it's overwhelming. It's breathtaking. And so Paul paints this huge picture of God in 3 through 14. So that the church at Ephesus, so that you and I, so that we would get it, so that we would understand, so that we would just be overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh, who who is this God? And so Paul writes this in the Greek language, this run-on sentence that doesn't stop to give them this picture so that prayerfully, so that hopefully they will get it, they will understand, they will be overwhelmed by who God is. And so in this series... We're going to talk about what do we believe about God and how has he blessed us and how does he interact with us? How does he relate to us? 
And so a big technical word for that is we're going to talk about some theology about what we believe about God and, and, and who we are and how we relate to him. So if you got your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one, if you don't have a Bible, go to your browser on your phone, go to raiderchurch.com, select uh, sermon notes. You can follow along with us. The verses and the points will all be there so that you can save it, screenshot it, keep it, email it to yourself, whatever, so that you can remember, okay? So raiderchurch.com, select sermon notes. You can follow along with us. As you're turning there, as you're getting there in your phone, we are in a series called Treat Yourself, okay? How many Parks and Recs fans do I have in the room, okay? Okay, a lot. So I'm gonna try something, okay? I'm gonna put myself out there, okay? I'm gonna make myself a little bit vulnerable, okay? So for you Parks and Rex fans, okay, help, I want you to help me out with something, okay? Can you do that? Oh man, that's not good. I'm questioning myself now, okay? Okay, so for my Parks and Rex fans, I need you to do something for me, okay? I need you to show me your best little Sebastian hand wave, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Let me see it. None of you did it. All right, forget it. Okay, so Ephesians chapter one, we're starting a new series. It's called Treat Yourself. Um, most people in our culture equate God's blessings with stuff, with material things, okay? Like what you have or you don't have. The problem with that, with viewing, living your best life as if it depends on what you have or you don't have, or living the blessed life based on what you have or don't have, is a faulty way to live. It's a faulty way to view blessings or whether you're blessed or not. A lot of times if people say, especially church people say, how you doing? Oh, I'm just, I'm blessed, brother. I'm blessed, you know, sis, I'm blessed. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. A lot of times people say that based upon how the things in their life are going, their circumstances or what they have or they don't have, or how their health is going, or how they're doing financially. Most people would say they're blessed or not based on their circumstances or what they have or they don't have. The problem with that is all of those things can change in a second. They can change with a phone call. And many of you have experienced that. I have. You get the phone call in the middle of the night. You get the news about your family member or friend. I mean, let's be real. There's a girl that goes to tech here. Her name's Laven, and many of you know her. And one day everything's fine, and the next day she has leukemia. All of those things can change in a second. And so why would we say that we're blessed or why would we view being blessed by God or not or having a blessed life as being dependent on stuff or things or our circumstances? Those things change day to day. So even if you were just to look at it practically, it doesn't make sense to want the blessed life that our culture says that we should have that our culture preaches to us of what it looks like to be blessed. It doesn't even make sense. So what blessings should we pursue? Does God want us to be blessed? Has God blessed us? What does that look like? And I think what you're going to find in this series is that God has blessed you, wants to bless you, but it's going to look a little bit different than maybe you thought. And so each week we're going to look at the ways that God wants you to treat yourself. 
So we're going to get started tonight. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Now we're going to stop here. We'll get to verse 4 and 5 here in just a second. We're going to stop right here and talk about in general, like for this series, what do these blessings look like and, and who are they for and what is their nature? Like what is their makeup? Okay, so what, what we find out here is, is first, what are these blessings? What are they? Okay, they're spiritual blessings. Okay, so they're not physical. They're spiritual as opposed to physical. They're spiritual blessings and spiritual realities. And they are not physical, meaning they're not of this world. They're not the things, they're not the stuff. They're not the, the stuff that we typically pursue and want and view or see as blessings from God. So that's the first thing we've got to understand and realize. From God's perspective, from his point of view, God has blessed us and they are spiritual blessings. So that's what? Who are they from? They're from God. There, it's not something someone else can give us. It's not something we can do for ourselves. It's not some, these aren't blessings that we can earn. God gives them, God grants them. So they're spiritual blessings. God gives them to us. And who are they for? For those united with Christ. And I point that out because I know in a room this size, some of you are followers of Jesus and some of you aren't. Every week we have people who are here that, that give their lives to Jesus and we praise God for that. And so I, I know that tonight there's some of you here and you're not a follower of Jesus. And as we go through this series, I want to invite you to come and to explore what it would look like to be a follower of Jesus and ways God would bless you if you would give your life to him and become a follower of Jesus. So these blessings that we're going to look at over the next few weeks are for followers of Jesus. They're for those who have been united with Christ, who have decided to give their life to Jesus, to pursue Jesus, to turn from their old life. The Bible says the old is gone, the new has come. They're embracing this new life in Christ. So their blessings are for those of us that are united with Jesus. And my prayer is, is that maybe you're here and you'll see, man, God is blessing those that follow him with all of these spiritual blessings. And I want some of that too. Man, my prayer in this series would be, if you're not a follower of Jesus, it would almost be like you become jealous of a Christian and way in the ways that God has blessed them. And you say, man, I want that too. I want those blessings. I want in on that. And you would give your life to Jesus. So just generally speaking, before we get into the ways that God has blessed us, these are some just general truths about these blessings from God. Okay, let's keep going. Verse four, here's where we get started. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Watch this. God decided in advance, like before he made the world, he, he decided this. This was his plan before the world was created. So it, it didn't start with when, when Adam and Eve sinned. It didn't start when you were born. This was God's plan before he ever made the world. This was his plan. He decided in advance, watch this, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So our first 
blessing, our first spiritual blessing for those of us who are united with Christ from God is that we have been adopted into God's family. That's the, that's the first blessing. So here's what adoption is. Here's a, here's a definition of adoption. Adoption is a legal transfer from one family to another, including the receiving the rights as a child. I wanna say that again. Adoption is the legal transfer from one family to another that includes receiving the rights of a child. Some of you have maybe been adopted. Some of you have brothers or sisters who were adopted. Some of you have families who, friends and families who have adopted some kids. And what happens there is when that adoption is final, the legal transfer has happened of that child from one family to another. And now that child who wasn't a child in that family now has the rights, the legal rights and protection as a child of this new family. So that, that's what adoption is. Many of you know, our worship pastor here, Mark, and his wife, Laura, have adopted two kids, Jay and Malia. Jay was a, a child that was here in, in Lubbock that they adopted. Malia, their daughter, was a child they adopted from Thailand. So about a year and a half ago, they went to Thailand and they spent about a month over there. And they were, they were gone from Raider Church. And, and, and so they spent a month over there and they adopted their daughter, Malia, and they, they finalized everything over there in Thailand. They came back here. And then not just probably a month ago, within the last couple of months, they finalized the legal adoption here in America so that Malia, if you follow them on Instagram or social media, you saw this, they finalized the legal adoption of the transfer of Malia into their family. And now she is legally... She has the, received the rights as one of their own children, as if she was born into their family physically. She is now receiving those legal rights as a child. It's amazing. It's incredible. What happens when a child is adopted? And so kind of knowing that, and, and many of you know that story, and we're going to talk about a little bit more about that tonight, but I just want to break down like what adoption is and how it works so that you get the idea of what God has done for you as he brought you into his family. And if you decided to follow Jesus, the way that works and how it works, it happens through the process of adoption. So let's just break this down, what adoption is and what these verses teach us about adoption. So number one is this, is that adoption is one way. Adoption is one way. So think about this. Malia as a child, as an infant, toddler, didn't decide, I want Mark and Laura, who she didn't know, to adopt me. And so I'm going to initiate that process and start it and make it happen. No, no, that's not what happens. Mark and Laura, as God spoke to them and led them, decided we are going to adopt a child from Thailand. And as they came across Malia, knew that that was their daughter. They knew it. It was in their heart. They decided to do it. And you might've noticed in those verses, it says that God chose this. God chose to adopt you into his family. So that choice, that decision, adoption is one way. It's not really a two-way street. So this keeps us from saying 
I'm, so, you know what? I'm so smart. I, I, I was such a good person. I was so spiritual. I, I, I went to church so many times that I decided that God would adopt me into his family. No, 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 that's, that's not what happens. I wasn't smart enough or so spiritual enough to figure anything out, to figure God out and to figure my way into his family. No, the Bible says I'm dead in my sin. Dead people don't decide anything. Dead people don't think anything. Spiritually, I was dead and God decided before the creation of the world, before I ever existed, before you ever existed, this was God's plan and he chose to do it. Adoption is one way. God chose before the creation of the world, knowing we would sin, knowing we would rebel against him. He chose before the creation, the foundation of the world. It was in his heart. It was in his plan to rescue us and to bring us into his family through Jesus, through the gospel. So God chose this. This was his plan. Adoption is one way, which leads us to the next truth or aspect about adoption is this, is that adoption isn't earned. Malia wasn't such a good girl that it just convinced, it just, it just brought Mark and, and, and Lord, it just convinced them that, yep, she's the one. She was better than all of the other girls. And so we're going to adopt her. No, no, no. That's not what happened. Malia did nothing to earn. Jay did nothing to earn Mark and Laura's favor as if they were so special that Mark and Laura just, just picked them out and said, you guys are better than everyone else. So we're going to adopt you into our family. No, no, they didn't earn it. They didn't do anything. It was out of the love in Mark and Laura's heart that God put in them that led them to make that decision. It was the love they had in their heart. It wasn't what Jay and Malia did. They didn't earn it. You see, a lot of people get Christians confused and, and it's because we've led them to be confused by the way that we live and the way that we act. But a lot of people think that Christians think that they're, you know, really just something special and, and they're better than everyone else. And how sad is that when the story of the scripture and the truth of the gospel is that there's none of us good, not even one. We've all messed up. We've all screwed. I haven't done anything to deserve God and his love and, and, and saving me or bringing me into his family. I, I haven't done anything to deserve that. I didn't earn that. The Bible says in Romans 4, that we're saved by grace through faith and not by works. In other words, salvation, adoption, isn't a reward for being a good person. We often say around here all the time, good people don't go to heaven, forgiven people do. Salvation, adoption, it's not a reward for being a good person. Adoption isn't earned. None of us could earn it. The Bible says we've all fallen short. We've all messed up. We've all screwed up. And besides that, God chose before the world was even created. He, he decided before you were ever even born. So you didn't, even, you didn't earn it. God in his grace and his mercy and in the love that he has for you and me, the Bible says even while we were yet sinners, he sent Jesus to die for us. He demonstrated, he proved his love for us. Even that while we were sinners and rebelling against him, he sent Jesus to die for us. We didn't earn adoption. Adoption isn't earned. Next, even though it's not earned, adoption is costly. It's very costly. 
You know, when Mark and Laura were adopting Jay, it took a lot of their time. It took a ton of money and dealing with, with lawyers and, and having to go to court back and forth and back and forth. I mean, it took a huge toll on them emotionally, mentally, physically. It took a huge toll on them. It was extremely costly for them. When they adopted Malia, they had to raise something like $30,000 for, for, for the adoption process and, and for their travel. And they had to, to fly, which was extremely expensive, to, to Thailand. And they had to stay there for a month in, in hotels. And then they had to fly back home. And, and there was all kinds of lawyer's fees and costs. Jay and Malia didn't pay those costs. They didn't earn it. They didn't pay for it. But it was still costly to Mark and Laura. Extremely costly. Paul says in verse four and five that we didn't earn it, but it was extremely costly because our adoption into God's family, Paul said, is only through Jesus Christ. I mean, can you imagine watching your son die on a cross? Imagine watching your child being whipped and beaten and spit upon. Imagine watching your child stretch out their hands while a soldier nailed nails into their hands and nailed nails into their feet. I mean, imagine watching that. You know, doctors will tell us today that Jesus actually died suffocation. You know, when you, when you, when you die, when, when, when they crucified you on a cross, they had nails in your, in your hands and your feet. And a lot of times what you would die from is because you, you would sink down and you would be, you couldn't, you, you, you wouldn't be able to breathe anymore. And so the process of dying on a cross was a lot of this. It was resting on the nails on your feet. And when that pain was so excruciating, you couldn't do it anymore. You would pull up with your arms and get a breath. And you would hang there as long as you could with the pain in your wrists until that was too unbearable. And then you would let yourself go down back on your feet. The problem is, is not, was it just the, the pain in your feet, but you couldn't breathe in the down position. And so the cross was a lot of this until you died. Can you imagine watching your son on a cross going up and down and up and down, seeing the pain, watching them being unable to breathe? That's what Jesus did for you. He hung on that cross and he bled and he died to pay the fine that you and I owe for our sin. The Bible says, the wages of sin is death. Jesus died the death that you and I deserved. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5, that, that him who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. Jesus died the death that you deserved through the cross. Adoption, your adoption, you didn't pay anything for it, but it was extremely costly to God.
that he was willing to pay the price. He was willing to pay the cost because of his love for you to bring you into his family. Just like Mark and Laura, they were willing to pay the cost. They would have paid anything to get their kids into their home. Adoption is costly. Next. Adoption is innate. Adoption is innate. What Paul teaches us in these verses in Romans, uh, sorry, in in Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5, is, is that this is what God wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So when I say innate, what that word means is that it was in God, like it was in his heart, it was in his character, in his makeup, just in his existence. By his very nature, God is a relational being. The Bible says, teaches us, and even in Genesis chapter one, that God exists actually in community as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We call it the Godhead. We believe that God exists as one God, but he exists as three different persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so even in Genesis one, God refers to himself actually in the plural, in a plural form. And so we believe about God, that God exists as literally as a plurality. He exists in community. And so his, by his very nature, he is a relational being. So when we say adoption is innate, What we're saying is, is that God in his very nature is a relational being and wants to be in community. He wants you and I, he wants this family. He wants this people of God that would belong to him and would be in his family and he would exist as their father. So adoption to God is innate. It was what he wanted to do, Paul said, and it was what was in his heart to do. It gave him great pleasure to adopt you and me into his family through Jesus Christ. So when we say innate, that's what we're referring to, that God wanted to do it and it gave him great pleasure. It was what was in his heart. And so because that's in God's heart and you and I, the Bible teaches us in in Genesis chapter one, that we are created in the image of God, which means we, we bear some of his nature and his character in his heart. That's why we have a sense of right and wrong that comes from God. It's why we love why we have a consciousness that because this is innate in God, it's innate in us that we desire family. We desire community. We desire connection with other people and we will go to whatever lengths possible to find it because God has put that in us. He's created us. And because we bear his image, his likeness, We desire that too. That's a God-given desire to belong, to be a part of something, to belong to a group, a family, a community. You know, when we were going to witness the finalization of Malia's adoption into the Tatum family, we were pulling up, we had all our kids, we pulled up to the courthouse and And we were getting out of our car and all of a sudden Nixon started crying and we were like, Nixon, what's wrong? And she says, I don't want to be adopted. And we're like, oh, babe, you got this all backwards. Like 
you're not being a, you're, you're already in our family. Like we're not giving you up for like Malia. So we were trying to explain the whole thing, but she was terrified that she was about to be adopted. And you know why? Because in her family, she feels safe. She feels loved. She feels cared for. In her family, she feels like she belongs there. And she didn't want to lose that. It's innate in us. We desire this. We were created for this, for this family. And people will look for it in all kinds of different ways that it will unfortunately just ruin and destroy their lives. You see, God created you to experience that family, that connection, that sense of belonging in his family. It's called the family of God. You see, you were born into your family, but you're born again when you give your life to Jesus into a spiritual family that God has created you for and designed you for. And it's why you're always looking and searching for that sense of belonging for those people that you feel like you belong with, that you feel safe with, that you're connected to, that you feel cared for and loved by. You're always, we're always looking for that. You move to a new place, you go to a new school, you get into a new environment and you start searching for that. You start looking for that. It's why we have sororities. It's why we have fraternities. It's why why there's gangs. It's why there's all, we're looking, we're searching, we're longing for that. And it's made in us. It's innate in us. And we're made to find it in the family of God. It's not that some of those other things are wrong. It just proves the point that that's the way we were created. This is innate in us. We desire family. We desire to belong in the great news is that God created you for it and he's got a family for you to belong to where you can feel safe, where you will be cared for, where you will feel that protection, where you will belong in his family. And so the great news tonight is this, is if you're a follower of Jesus, is, is that we're all adopted. We are all adopted. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a part of this big family and we come from different places and we have different backgrounds and we look different and we talk different and we act different, but we share something in common. And that's a love for Jesus. This week I was in Indianapolis. I'm on the board of this missions organization and, and, uh, our annual board meetings in different place every year. And so, um, uh, this year it was in Indianapolis. And so uh, a friend of mine and I were on, we're on this board and we're landing in Indianapolis. And when we land, um, I, I, I realized, uh, you know, this time last year, because a Facebook post came up in memory that this time last year we were in Milwaukee and uh, we happened to realize that the Chicago Cubs were playing that night in Chicago and Chicago was only an hour away. And so we decided we're going to drive to Chicago and go to Wrigley Field and watch the Cubs play. And so we did that. And so we're landing in Indianapolis and I see this picture and I'm like, huh, um, I wonder if there's a game tonight. You know, let's, let's figure out, is there any games in Indianapolis? Are the Colts playing? You know, the Pacers aren't, aren't, aren't playing, you know? So, so we figure out, okay, well, no, nothing's happening in, in Indy. There's no games tonight. And so I zoom out on my map and I realize, hey, Cincinnati, is an hour away from us to the south, just like Chicago was last year. So let's look and see what's going on in Cincinnati tonight. Sure enough, it's Thursday night football. 
So we decide, hey, we're going to buy football tickets. We're going to drive south down to Cincinnati. So we get in our car that we rented and we went down to Cincinnati and we went to the Bengals and Ravens game this week. So I got to see Michael Crabtree play as a Raven. It was sweet. They got beat badly, but, but it was a great game. But here was the thing. Okay. In every environment, okay. Especially NFL, um, the people are a little bit different. Okay. And so in Cincinnati, the NFL fans, they, you know, they have their own things. They have their own sayings. They, they say who day. I, I didn't know that that was anything, but they say who day instead of like who dat or whatever it is for the saints. I don't even remember. So, but they say who day. So they go around and they're all, you know, drinking and everything. And they're yelling out who day. And everyone else is, you know, yelling out who day. And, it, and it's, you know, who day that think they're going to beat them, you know, bangles or whatever. And they have this song that was written like back in the fifties or the sixties. And they're still singing it today. And the whole crowd sings it. It was awesome. So we're, we're watching this game. We got like fifth row tickets and the NFL, like, you know, broadcast is right in front of us. So Michael Irvin was right there and he got in like a fight with, uh, uh, Steve Smith. I think they were arguing back and forth about, you know, who was the best receiver. We were like right in front of them watching this. It was, it was hilarious. So, so, um, the guys, everyone around us is drinking and drinking heavily. Okay. And so a guy is, you know, trying to squeeze down the row in front of us. There's a row in front of us and he kicks over a fellow Bengal fan's beer. Well, he wasn't happy about it, okay? And uh, he had been drinking and he turns to the guy who kicked over his beer and had some words to say to him. They were, you know, they were not nice words. And so they're going back and forth. They're kind of arguing, okay? And um, he sits, the guy that kicked over the other dude's beer, like sits down and uh, has a beer in his hand, like a full beer in his hand. And he did the nice thing. He gave his beer to the guy who just got through cussing him out down the row, he gave it to him. And when the guy, when he gave it to the other guy who had his beer kicked over, the guy took the beer from him and was like, you know, which is the guy signed for like, okay, it's good. We're cool. Okay. So, but it was two, it was two Bengals fans. If that had been a Ravens fan, okay. That knocked over his beer. It would have been an all out brawl. I'm just telling you right there. Okay. I, I'm telling you right now, it would have been a brawl, but because it was two Bengals fans who did not know each other, they got over that disagreement in a second because of their fellow love for the Bengals football team. They had a connection. They didn't know each other. They had no idea who each other, but that brought that situation, that disagreement was over in a second because one guy offered another guy his beer and because of their fellow love for the Bengals. Listen, you and I, we come from all different backgrounds. We like different things. We, we have different tastes and we talk differently and we look differently and we dress differently and, and we've, we come from different backgrounds and some of us have money and, and, and some of us don't and, and some of us like school and some of us don't. I, I mean, we come from all different kinds of backgrounds. But the great news is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a part of a spiritual family. And we come together and we exist as a family because of our mutual love for Jesus. And that family, God's family, is a place where you can experience safety. 
and love and care and protection. That's the way God designed his family to work. And so the good news is if you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're not on your own. You're a part of a bigger, larger family. And so here's what I want you to see tonight. Being blessed, it's not about what you have or what you don't have. It's about whose you are. It's about who you belong to. It's about the family you're a part of. You see, what you have or don't have can change in a second, can change with the phone call. From Sunday night to Monday night this week, I had three phone calls with both my parents and with my stepdad, all being in the emergency room within 24 hours. It was almost as if God knew like this was coming and I was gonna talk about this. And if you're familiar with the story of Job, it's almost like the devil came and said, okay, well, we'll see. We'll see. You're gonna talk about this? We'll, we'll, we'll see if this is really true for you, Clayton. My mom went in the emergency room Sunday night she had an extreme over, or allergic reaction to something. Her tongue swelled up so big, it stopped her from breathing. Monday, I get a phone call from my brother. My dad in Oklahoma City is in the emergency room. He had had a minor heart attack hunting in Colorado, somehow drove himself back to Oklahoma City and uh, went into the hospital and found out that he had a minor heart attack. Not a few hours later, my mom calls me. She's just gotten out of the emergency room because fortunately and thankfully, they were able to give her some things that allowed her tongue to, the swelling in her tongue to go down so she could breathe. They released her and not hours after they released her, she's calling me sobbing, saying that her husband, Bill in Hobbs is working and had a stroke in Hobbs. and they brought him back to Lubbock yesterday. Within a 24 hour period, three phone calls to my parents and regarding my stepdad, within 24 hours, all three of them are in the emergency room. Being blessed isn't about what you have or you don't have. It's not even about your health. All of those things can change in an instant. Being blessed is about whose you are, who you belong to. And so how do we respond? What's our response to this? Well, number one, Paul said in verse three, all praise to God. Our first response to this should be worship. And we're gonna worship here in just a minute. Our team's gonna come and lead us and it's, it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be a powerful time of worship. But that's our first response is, God, thank you. Thank you for adopting me into your family. You've blessed me with every spiritual blessing, starting with adoption through Christ that I didn't earn, that you chose to do because of your love for me and you've given me a family to belong to. You see, this isn't 
a performance. This isn't a concert where you just come and watch. No, it's a family that we participate in. We're all God's kids growing together as we try to look more and more like Jesus together. And we need each other to do that. So it's not a restaurant either where you get to come and like choose what you want to order. And like, oh, okay, I like this tonight. I don't really like that tonight. I liked what you had to say there. I didn't really like that song there, but I did like that song. It's not a restaurant. This is a family where we're growing together to look more and more like Jesus that God has given us. And so our response, our first response, according to Paul, should be worship. God, thank you. Our second response should be, God, thank you. First of all, thank you. Second, man, I want to go all in with you. I want to follow you. I want to do things your way. I want to obey, obey you. Not to, so I can be so pleasing enough as if to be your child. No, it's from a different place. It's because I am your child and you are my father and I belong to this family. I want to please my dad because I'm a child not in order to be a child. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. I want to follow God and worship God. I want to pray and, and read my Bible and give. I want to do those things because I'm God's child, not in order to be God's child. And you've got to get that. You've got to understand that. As I told you a year and a half ago, Mark and Laura got back. They had adopted Malia in Thailand. And, and about that time, there was a new song coming out. It's called Reckless Love. And Mark got back and we were singing this song that night at Raider Church. And as we were singing the song, Mark stopped and began to share about their experience in leading up to adopting Malia and in Thailand. And, he shared about that and everything they went through in order to adopt Malia. And then we sang that song, Reckless Love. And I, wanna, I just want you to see some of what happened in Thailand as Mark explains what all God was doing in their hearts and as they were adopting Malia, what that was like for them. So check out this video. And so one day I was playing uh, guitar and singing and my daughter, Malia, um, she walked in the room where I was playing and she, uh, <clears throat> she started dancing and being funny, being silly, you know, just right there in front of me as I was singing the song. And so, you know, as, as I'm singing these lyrics about, man, God pursuing us and before we even existed, God, God finding us and knowing us and, and laying down his life for us through Jesus. You know, for those of you who, who know, uh, we adopted our daughter Malia from Thailand at the beginning of 2017. And as I was, I was, I was singing and thinking about that, I man, I was just, I, I just broke and, and I was marked in that moment with this song. Um, you know, one year from, from that moment, my daughter was living in a one light bulb shack on the other side of the world. And now she's dancing on hardwood floors with her nails painted in a frozen dress with her hair done. You know, for those of you who know about adoption, man, it's, it's expensive. It costs a lot of money. You have to put a lot of time and effort into it. It's, it's tough on families. It's tough on relationships. It's tough all around. But before she even knew who we were, we were chasing after her. We were pursuing her. We had this little picture of this little girl across the world. 
it's not a perfect illustration, but man, that's what God has done for us, right? He sent Jesus before we were even born. The Bible says we were called enemies of God, and yet still Jesus came. He laid his life down for you and for me. And if it was only just for you, he would do it time and time again. He would leave the 99 to find you. That's the God that we serve, right? We don't have to earn it. There's there's no way that we can earn it, earn his favor. There's no way we could be good enough. Still, Jesus gives himself. He gave himself for us. And I don't know if that's something that you celebrate, but man, can, can we get loud and excited about that tonight and give God thanks for his overwhelming never-ending reckless love. You may call it crazy. You may call it unheard of, man. You may call it reckless, but it is the love of the God that we serve and that we worship tonight. Let's stand. We're going to worship God. Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2, he said, the way you used to live, who you used to be, you were hopeless. You had no hope. Mark said that Malia was in a shack with one light bulb She was hopeless. She had no hope to ever hear the good news of Jesus. Paul told the Ephesians the same thing. He said, who you used to be, the way you used to live, you were hopeless. You were worshiping this goddess Diana, who was no God at all, was a false God, was an idol. You lived in fear that she would curse you or make you sick or kill you because of the way that you performed. And he said, that's the way that you used to be. That's miserable, that's hopeless. But now you have a living hope in Jesus. Now you have been blessed by God with spiritual blessings from heaven that cannot change. What you have or don't have can change in a second. Whose you are and whose you belong to and the family that you're a part of never changes. The Bible said there is nothing, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's worship and celebrate God. We worship you, Jesus. All praise to our God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ for adopting us into his family. Jesus, thank you. God, thank you for adopting us into your family. We worship you, Jesus.